today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Let's bring Crystal Avalis into the uh, conversation, Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council, postdoctoral fellow, of course, at History at the University of Toronto. Crystal, thanks for the time. Good to have you with us today. Thanks for having me. There's so many different levels to approach this, and uh, I mentioned this in my, my commentary at 810 this morning here on CHML, and, and, and I think uh, in listening to what some of the counselors are saying and some of those that seem to be incensed by this, uh, I think there's, there's almost a, a, an admission that, okay, it's not what he did, it's how he did it and why he did it that seems to have a lot of people upset. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, if you, and, if, and I think that will be a key aspect of the legal challenge, because in general, there's an understanding that, you know, there's the, the cities, towns, municipalities broadly defined, exist kind of at the pleasure of the provinces themselves. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, um, Ford can kind of do what he wants. And this goes back to the amalgamation and how, you know, Premier, Premier Harris kind of did that, even though there was, you know, a lot of opposition to it. You know, the Premier can do kind of what he wants. But the idea here is that, um, you know, doing it during an election, people had already registered for positions to run. You know, him targeting one city, perhaps, for a specific, um, you know, reduction in the council size when other, ta- other communities, from very small communities to other large cities, have more councillors per citizen. You know, it, it strikes one as arbitrary and, you know, against, the, in, in my view, the broad principles of Canadian democracy. And that's where a court challenge might have some grounds, because at the end of the day, you know, the provinces can say, look, we have the power to do what we will with municipalities. But with every legal decision in our country, it has to pass the broad context of is it, you know, acceptable in a democratic society? And, and judges do have leeway in, in how they interpret these decisions. You know, um, it's not an, an autocracy. So I think the context of how it was done is why people are angry or a big part of it, but, but also could be a key vein in this legal challenge. Well, and, and your point's well taken. For those that maybe don't understand the, the, the structure, uh, I mean, the City of Toronto exists because of something that the government of Ontario passed called the City of Toronto Act. Uh, which basically gives them their charter. We have one here in Hamilton, of course, and they can withdraw it, by the way. I don't know that it's ever happened historically, Christo, but, but I mean, you know, you're right. We, we, we exist at the pleasure of the province of Ontario, and, and as does every other community in the city, this province, so we understand that. But to your point, even when, when Mike Harris imposed amalgamation, and, and Toronto, sadly, was the first city that he did that to as well, uh, there, there still was some consultation. I mean, there's still it wasn't just done, hey, I'm, I'm bringing this down. Uh, you know, whether they listened to the, what the people had to say, but at least there was a process that was put in place, as there was when we went through the process here in Hamilton, uh, as they did in Chatham-Kent, and as they did in Sudbury, uh, on up in the Ottawa area. They, they, there was public consultation. There was a chance for people to weigh in on that. And and you may not have agreed with the final decision, but at least you thought, well, I had a, a, a place in the process. That didn't happen here. No, I think that's a key point. I think, you know, everything from there was no mandate sought Again, noting here that in Ford's particular case, whereas amalgamation, as you noted, may have started in Toronto, but it affected numerous communities across Ontario, Ford has actually said in this case he doesn't plan to, and and maybe he's being sincere, I mean, who knows, but he says he doesn't plan to do this to any other city council. I mean, it it offers, again, this sense that it's an arbitrary move without a mandate politically uh, and without... um, 
um, you know, uh, uh, you know, meaningful consultation either of the existing elected officials or, as you know, the you know the citizens uh, of Toronto that will be affected that will, in a sense, um, have less representation uh, at municipal levels. Which you know, a lot of municipal politics aren't sexy, but you know, so many of the most important things in your day to day life are municipal more than say they're federal or even provincial. So, you know, uh, this could have a significant impact on Toronto. And Toronto is a, a fast-growing city. This, this, this issue will become even more intensified as the city continues to grow. I mean, if we were going to, you know, try to preserve a kind of understanding of how many um, MP or how many, you know, uh, councillors we would need given a population, you know, the discussion would be Toronto growing the size of its city council, not cutting it in half. And again, you know, I think Ford is trying to, play a, a political issue here because he knows that across Ontario a lot of small towns voted for him and if the logic was consistent then you know many of those towns would have councils of one or two or three people uh, uh, to to keep you know consistency yet those councils kind of keep their integrity because Ford doesn't want to interfere in the democratic processes of communities that voted for him and and I think that it doesn't pass the political smell test maybe it won't pass the legal one either the Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.